On the show today, Xbox gonna give it to ya, dinosaurs gonna stomp on ya, and we just can't decide what you're gonna get. In three, two, one. Alex, are you feeling squanchy? Only on the best of days. Only on the best of days? Well, good news. I think today's going to be your day. Um, <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Total Pebble Knockdown. I am Squanch. And I'm also Squanch. <laughs> and this is Total Squanchy Knockdown. Today we start off with Weekly Muse, and uh, over the last couple weeks we had a lot of big game announcements and a lot of big game shows. Uh, at some point, probably in the next episode, we'll talk a little bit more about Summer Game Fest and a few things that are worth talking about, but it would be too much to discuss today. Really, though, uh, the big thing that I wanted to talk about was the uh, Xbox and Bethesda showcase that Microsoft put on. Uh, because I think that that has a lot of titles that are going to relate to us. And sure. The reason why I brought up Squanch. It's Squanchy, Squ Squanchy Games is a thing, I believe, right? Or Squanch Games? It is. It is. And so one of the highlights of their showcase was actually a game from Squanchy Games that you might they not have known about. made Accounting Plus, I believe. I believe they did, but there is a new one that they announced that uh, I should also mention before I get into this that what they decided to focus on, if you're wondering why there are games that are not included in this list or that they didn't talk about, was they wanted to make it very clear, Phil Spencer wanted to make it very clear, that this is just games that are going to be out inside the next 12 months. Yes. So if there's future projects beyond that, they didn't really talk about it during the showcase. Squanchy Games is making something called High on Life. Don't know if you had heard about this. I listened to Yahtzee and the Escapists talk about some of this stuff, so I've heard a little bit, yeah, but... Yeah. Not um, enough. Um, I figured that it might relate a little bit to you, just because it's, like, it looks like an actual, like, AAA game. And the fun part about it is that you have all these guns, but they're, like, bioweapon guns, and they, like, talk to you. The guns talk to you and then like spit acid out of their butts and mouths and stuff from the guns sounds about right for squanch yeah yeah so that did get a lot of press because it was the first time that we had really <laughs> heard anything about it um probably up your alley maybe <laughs> see what i did there because the butt anyway um so so i wanted to lead you off to know that 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 reference actually did mean something few other things that might not appeal as much to you, but definitely mean something to me. Um, there's going to be a new Plague Tale, Requiem. Uh, I played the first one, uh, Plague Tale Innocence, great game. Um, great stealth action game, Requiem looks like it's a little bit more action-focused, but I'm, I'm there for it. Forza Horizon 5 is going to have a Hot Wheels edition. Why? There's already a Hot Wheels game that costs way too much money. Yeah, but see, in this one, you're in Horizon, Forza Horizon 5, but you go to a place where there's just the giant orange uh, Hot Wheels tracks, and you can race the Hot Wheels cars on the tracks across the whole landscape. I'd rather drive my own car across the Hot Wheels track. With the loop-de-loops? Yeah. You should do that. Yeah. You should totally but do that. There's already a $60 Hot Wheels title that you can buy. There's a $60 Hot Wheels title that you can buy? Why? Yeah, you can race, like, your Hot Wheels cars, or the Hot Wheels cars, and you can buy different skins and stuff for them and everything. Oh, wow. Like, a ton of the DLC for it are cosmetics and cars, so it's like, yeah, oh. just virtually race your Hot Wheels cars and buy new cars, so, so you don't get any real cars, you just... I'm, I'm starting to think that this might actually uh, cut into their profit margin, because Horizon is a much better built game and uh there's gonna be hot wheels cars that they just put into that and it sorry it's 49.99 
It's okay. Hot Wheels Unleashed. Hot Wheels Unleashed. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Also, the Forza Horizon Five Hot Wheels is nineteen ninety nine. So if I just look really quick, there's yeah. fifty three DLC for Hot Wheels Unleashed. Oh God. Um, and a lot of them are like under five dollars. But like when you have that many of them. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a ton of free things too for the holidays and whatnot. And Jurassic World, Monster Trucks, Batman, their their Battle Pass or whatever their pass is called, Car Pass, I don't know, Easy Pass is what I would call it. It's, it's just called Easy Pass. I would call it that. There's three of those. They're each $30. Why? Did it get well-reviewed at all, or did it get... Um, did, mixed. It's, it's got mixed reviews. Yeah. Uh, recent and very positive uh, all time. I think I would go with the Forza Horizon version, because that's a... That was a very well done game. <laughs> that looks far more photorealistic. And uh, but yeah, if you want speed. to race Hot Wheels, you can buy a Hot Wheels title and then spend the next eighty dollars on DLC if you want. Yeah, or um, if you oh, ninety dollars if you. Or if you either have Game Pass or you uh, have bought Horizon, maybe just buy the Hot Wheels version the, the, or the Hot Wheels add-on pack for that because it seems like a more cost-effective better version because you know that the racing is sure. better also a lot of these are going to be game pass day of titles of course they made it very because they are pushing that hard and they're doing a good job of it i will give them credit the last case of benedict fox now that is uh think metroidvania but with cthulhu like an hp lovecraft styled metroidvania Cthulhu so Metroid. So it's Metroid, but more tentacles? More tentacles. Surprisingly, Wait. more tentacles. Cthulhuvania. We're going to okay. call it that. So it's a side-scroller? It is. Expl exploration? It is. It's a 2D. It, yeah, it's a 2D. 2D version. So the Lovecraftian just comes from the theme? It comes from the theme, yes. Of, like, being a detective going through this kind of morose world that's, like, dealing with cosmic horrors and stuff like that. Sure. I guess the real question I have is, are any of your enemies going to be based on Cthulhu's mythos? Or... They didn't really show, like, I, and I guess that this does kind of fall into the cosmic horror, is that they didn't really show a lot of the enemies specifically, because okay, it's good. supposed to be a little bit more... Cosmic horror is supposed to be a little bit more a theater of the mind, like what what lies beyond. But. Right. If they had been like, yeah, here's just an, a horror that looks like Cthulhu, it would be kind of lame. Yeah. Yeah, true. Again, you can't kill Cthulhu. Cthulhu is a thought or an idea. <laughs> yes, you can't kill Cthulhu. But if you tried, that would be pretty sweet. You wouldn't no succeed. Horror. Uh, in, uh, in Obsidian news, uh, Grounded is, uh, going to actually get full release. It's actually, it's finally out of ac early access. I didn't realize it was still in early access. Well, they've been doing a lot for the add-ons, uh, over the course. They've been doing a lot of big updates over the last couple years. Okay. Um, but all of that's together. They've put a full story, basically, in it. Um, you know, all of, all of the additional content that they've put in. Uh, is, is now something that's going to go into a full release that will be available. Uh, and so you'll be able to play that now in more of its final form. Um, oh, is anyone still playing Grounded, however? Well, I mean, I remember when I was watching, um, what was it, Skill Up, and he was talking about how he, he liked the idea of Grounded when it first came out. But he didn't really want to keep playing it until it got a full release because he wanted to actually see it once it was done. Because <laughs> okay, it's a yeah. great idea, but not exactly something I want to play without knowing everything that was there. At the time, there was only about a 15-minute story thread. Like, you could, you could blast through the actual mission in 15 minutes and then just tool around and have fun with the building and survival mechanics. But they've actually put, like, a whole storyline in there now, and also a lot of updates where there's the pond, and you have to deal with the giant koi fish and the birds and everything that are coming at you. Um, so, a lot more content there. Um, I played a little bit of it. The spiders are 
asses. They're terrifying. They're well, they're 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 horrifying. The wolf spider just is like big, but they're also just jackasses because they'll they'll sneak up to you in the middle of the night and like two hits and you're dead. <laughs> they are they are vicious. Um, but uh, but it's gonna get a full release and I'm I'm happy about that. Maybe people will come back to it now that it's actually in full release. Um, maybe maybe new game. Uh, Wolong Fallen Dynasty. And now you're probably thinking, I have absolutely no idea what any of those words mean. It's fine. I know what the word Fallen and Dynasty mean. Okay, great. <laughs> Wolong, I believe, is the protagonist's name. What you should know that should get you a little bit excited is that it is a new game from Team Nin- Ninja. And it's going to probably follow the same vein as another Souls-like game they made called Neo. Uh, you, I don't you, know if that makes me excited or not, because it's still Souls-like. That's true, but you played some Neo, right? Yeah, I didn't play a lot of it, but I, I, I played it for a bit. I don't think that this is quite the frenetic combat that they put into Neo, uh, but I think it is still more action-oriented than like a Dark Souls was, which would be good. Also, since we've been on a Diablo kick, there was a little bit more of a preview of like Diablo 4. <laughs> So, At the Xbox and Blizzard? Yeah. Oh, wait. Microsoft owns yeah. Blizzard Activision now, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so anyway, and uh, Diablo 4 looks like it's coming along okay. It will... Sure, with the $6 million they made off of the first couple of days of Diablo Immortal, I hope they have enough funding for it. So that basically, when they launch Diablo 4, it will make Immortal completely irrelevant. <laughs> Good. But, but... I did happen to watch something very recently from uh, Josh Strife, uh, where he was talking about uh, an, an internal thing in Blizzard where they were asking for somebody to work on the store, and that it was going to be anchored in cosmetics, which suggests that they are going to have more microtransactions in Diablo 4, similar to what they would do in Immortal. Well, that's fine if they're cosmetic only. Oh, yeah, but see, that's the thing. The way they phrased it is anchored in cosmetics. I.e., cosmetics would be a primary reason for it, but it's not exclusive to it. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'll see I'll see what happens, but um, they'll, they'll try to microtransaction it into hell. Why do you do this to Diablo, guys? Don't touch Diablo. It's too precious for us. Um, the devil went down to Bethesda. Also, a little bit of a secret hush-hush. Uh, we don't really know the name of the project. Hideo Kojima came out. Oh, yes. To say that he is indeed working on a project with Microsoft for a game that's going to be coming out to the Xbox and presumably Some PC. kind of horror game, I believe, right? Because that's they- what Kojima does. He does do horror games. I don't think it's going... This This is supposed to be like a new IP, as far as I'm aware. Uh, so we're not looking at Metal Gear, because I don't think he can even technically do Metal Gear. No, that's Konami. Uh, Konami still owns that. Um, I mean, he made it, but, you know, the Konami's went and destroyed it with Survive, so who cares? Uh, but then also uh, that it's... I don't think it's going to be Death Stranding or Death Stranding like a new Death Stranding or anything which uh, damn I wanted more of my Norman Reedus but um, anyway so something brand new in the works and if they're announcing it I guess we'll know in the next year Uh, and then the big one that I guess we should probably talk about a little bit is that they gave us a lot more information on not Elder Scrolls 6 Starfield yeah yeah Yeah, I've heard some things, but I'll let you tell me about it too. Alright, let me see if I can give you a little bit of an upshot of this because I did end up doing a Citanium Mine where I'll talk more about the existential crisis that it poses, (laughs) but but basically um, when they started showing this off, I I thought to myself oh, okay, you're basically doing like a Fallout game, but it's in space. Okay, it's it's like Elder Scrolls. And they're showing these these are facilities. There's like a first-person shooter aspect where you're going through the facilities, you're going through uh, you know, wreckage and going going across planets and you're scouting them out and there are colonies and you can talk to NPCs and it's like, okay, good. More more of like the RPG, but in space. 
that's good because that's not quite exactly the niche that's fit by some of the other space games that are more exploration or combat focused. This is more the the role-playing customization. And then Tad Howard comes out with his fancy boots and I don't know what he was wearing that day. Fancy boots, apparently. Probably cowboy boots. No, you know what it is? There was that girlfriend reviews thing where she started singing Todd Howard fancy shoes and after like Fallout 4 or 76. Anyway, not important. They started, uh, Todd started talking a little bit more about the idea that uh, you'd be able to customize your ship. And then there's also base building. And I'm like, oh, base building. Okay, I've seen that before. Good to note. But there's a storyline, and there's going to be missions and submissions, and uh, apparently a 30 or 40 hour main campaign. And it's like, well, that's pretty girthy for campaigns, uh, even relative to other Fallout titles and stuff, you know, uh, it's longer. Um, and so I'm, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, no, this sounds good. I'd like to try it out. Sure, let's let's go for it. And then there's the part where you just kind of go, hmm, I don't know how this is going to work. Um, they start talking about the, uh, Todd starts talking about the idea of the planet, and there are actual colonies that you get to go to that are, like, constructed with factions and all of that good stuff. And you can land there, but, ooh, happy day, you have a spaceship, and your spaceship can actually land anywhere on the planet. Right. Okay, so now we basically have whole planets that we're visiting, Mm -hmm. and you can go into space, and there's space combat too. And I'm like, okay, so I don't see this being as constructed overall if we're going everywhere. I heard a rumor there was going to be a thousand planets. That's not a rumor. That is what he said. Exactly. There's that there there are literally a hundred solar systems and a thousand planets between them for you Ooh, to visit that are completely explored. Ten planets. <laughs> and <laughs> and this this leads to the problem that I think a lot of people are having in the discussion that's been going on right now is in a typical Bethesda game, if you got a hold of a Skyrim or a Fallout, anything like that. There's a map. The map is populated with a lot of things. There's there's caves, there's dungeons, there's lots of different things to do all across the map. It is packed full of stuff. You know, it's big, it's expansive, but there's always stuff going on. They're not going to be able to do that with a thousand fully explorable planets. So, the question then becomes... What exactly is the mission structure going to be? How much of it is procedurally generated out there in the wastes? And am I just going to be walking across hundreds of miles of barren space that has no content in it? At which point, I don't care if there's a thousand planets. (laughs) I mean, yes, you're going to be flying through lots of barren space because space is mostly empty space is mostly empty exactly but then you get onto the planets and i'm assuming that most of the gameplay is on the planets probably if that is the case um i i know one of two things are true either it's mostly procedurally generated well no we know it's going to be mostly procedurally generated uh bethesda's even done that in some other games but it's going to be procedurally generated and there's not going to be a lot of content on most of those planets even which at that point why have them realistically or they want to populate it with a lot of stuff like there's a lot of maybe just procedurally generated but a lot of things to do on all the planets at which point i don't have time yeah to do it all and therefore it's irrelevant to the story and the narrative and the RPG elements of it. Well, one person I listened to was guessing that a lot of the planets are probably just going to be survival materials and, like, resource hubs where you gather a lot, because there is uh, apparently No Man's Sky style resource gathering and the like. There's mining. Um, There's going to be mining. Mining and everything. Yep. Um, 
The other thing I heard was from the same person uh, was that the combat looked really boring. I was watching, I think, Mr. Matty plays, and he was saying, yeah, yeah, that combat looks rough. It's, um, it doesn't feel impactful. Like, bullets don't seem to, like, when, when you shoot someone, there's no reaction. They just kind of keep going going along and everything, and um, and it, it felt really, like, weak in terms, like, maybe better combat than a lot of the Fallout games, but that's... Sure. You know, Fallout was not known for having really tight FPS combat. Um, I like the I like that they had the uh, like jetpack. You have a jetpack. You can go across oh. ravines and stuff. It's like yeah, that's every cool. space game has a jetpack. They need a jetpack. It is a requirement. Um, so it's probably going to be coming out first quarter, I think, of 2023 at this point. Um, so we have less than 12 months to actually find out about it. Uh, but what I did talk about in the Citanium Mind was mostly the idea about the existential threat of games that are, are so large or ask so much of your time that it becomes near impossible to actually, like, really fully experience them. And, and like, I've, I'm okay with it in some things that just want me to be exploration-based. Like, in the No Man's Sky, I can do that. I, I can appreciate what they did with, like, Elite Dangerous or in Everspace 2, where they, they want you to be able to go to all these places and try different things. Um, in an FPS formula, where I'm supposed to be much more, you know, in-depth with my character specifically, though, and their story and the story of everybody else around it, I wonder if this is uh, the the formula that they're putting together is going to work. I, it's kind of it's kind of up in the middle of nowhere for me. So up in space, it's up in space somewhere. It's up in space. Um, so yeah, like as I said, there were some other game announcement and showcase things that went on, and we'll talk about that later. But those seemed like the more relevant ones and uh and I'm, I'm interested in obviously what blizzard and and uh bethesda are doing did any of the stuff that i mentioned here hit you particularly well not no. really no not really not even squanchies <laughs> um i've never played any of the games the other title accounting plus was vr there was another one that looked a lot more like a rick and morty well, yeah, Squanchy is a reference from Rick and Morty, and it, I believe is in conjunction with Justin Roiland. Yeah, yeah. Who is a creator of Rick and Morty, so that's where that all ties in. He's got a very mm. specific brand of humor. That's a good way of putting it, yeah. Um, which is not a bad type of no. humor. It's just very ridiculous over the top in a lot of cases. It, yeah, um, it's very I conceptual. appreciate it. Y yes. Yeah. Um, and Accounting Plus, everything I've seen of that is just wild for yeah instance. so that's definitely gonna be interesting i don't know if i'd ever want to play it but i'm sure i'll see something i'm sure he'll do something ridiculous out the gate with it so yeah yeah if i uh if i can find it i will try to give you the uh the preview of it so you can see what what it's like um and uh there was one other thing that i was going to mention about the xbox showcase but i think i will lead off our next segment with it because it is related to what you want to talk yes, about. Yes, yes. Please, so. go ahead and lead off with that. All right. The next thing that we have up is a soapbox. And uh, one of the things that might be relevant that also came up during the Xbox Showcase, Alex, I think this is going to be pertinent, is. is we got a look at Vin Diesel riding a dinosaur oh <laughs> in R2. So yeah, I, uh, yeah, I saw that because I just uh. earlier, just earlier before we started recording, was looking at the post on Steam. Because yeah. currently, um, as of the other day when they announced this, I'm sure, Ark is now free on Steam. Oh, um, man. So if you haven't played Ark and you're looking to play Ark, for instance... Yeah. Crave over here it was like Ark looks interesting, but not sixty dollars interesting. Mm -hmm. But now it's free. It's also one hundred twenty-five gigs, rather large game. Oh, um, jeez. 
So we got Ark to try it out. Sure. Free is the best price. Yeah, I was scrolling through this and starring Vin Diesel. Oh yeah. As the legendary Ark hero Santiago. Santiago. So we get Vin Diesel in Ark too. Yeah. It's like okay. We get to talk um, about dinosaur families. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But um so I was scrolling through this for Ark 2, yeah. and it's a third-person only game. Okay. It's got Souls-like melee combat. Great. Yep. Um, Component-based item crafting, dynamic world events, opposing PvE force, mm -hmm. uh, advanced built template building and sharing, sensory-based creature AI. They're pumping out all this stuff like it matters. Character progression <laughs> and skill system. Yeah. It's using Unreal Engine 5. Yeah. They say they're redefining the survival genre with Ark 2. And, and apparently putting Souls-like elements and stuff into yeah, it. Yeah, and adding Souls-like elements and third-person only. And so suddenly I'm not even interested because Souls-like and third-person only is not really something I want. I don't, I don't really know if that's going to lend itself well as a genre to mix into a survival genre. Yeah, so... Looking at Arc 2, I'm like, okay, that doesn't sound appealing to me based on a couple of those things. Like, right. and I have played as of right now. Let me see really quick. Mm -hmm. I have played. Did I already uninstall it? No, I have not uninstalled it. Yet. Okay. <laughs> but soon. <laughs> I've played 98 minutes of Arc. 98 minutes. Okay. 98 wow. minutes. That's like, and you know, that's like 160th of your No Man's Sky time. Um. <laughs> Like a minute to hour ratio. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I've played 203 hours of No Man's Sky. Oh, okay, more than that. Okay, never mind. Anyways, mm -hmm. so 98 minutes in arc. Yeah. And even just starting it up, when you push the play button on Steam, mm -hmm. it comes up with a list. I will actually count it. I'll screen grab it for you really quick too. Great. It comes up with nine different options. Once I you push play, you have to pick one of these nine. Uh, that's the first of many things that I went, wow, this is aggressively too much. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's going to lead into uh, us, our third topic, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, uh, you know, there's there's nine different ways you can launch ARC, including resetting the game resolution and uninstalling the anti-cheat. Okay, well, I can tell you that when I played ARC on the Xbox way back when, when it was like oh. a new new thing, um, there was just a push button to play. Sure, yeah, and that's what it should be. Yeah. The only other time I want more options is if it's a game that you have an option to, like, play in VR or play in not VR. Right, right. Which is, like, Elite Dangerous, it has option to launch it normally or launch in VR. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm playing normally, so... Yeah. Come, come to think of it, actually, when I launched the original Diablo... It has a few options about whether you want to launch Diablo or Diablo something or Hellfire version. And it's like, uh, I don't know. I'm thinking the Hellfire version because why would I launch the other ones? Right. But so, so from there, I went into that and the menus are just, ag again, aggressive. Yeah. They're, I'm not going to grab a screenshot right now, but the, the menus for like even just starting like a game. Yeah. Are the entire screen just full options? And I'm like, I don't know what any of this is. Can we lead in with like a? Can you at least give me descriptions? Like, there's not tooltips for all of these things either. So I'm like, okay, let's just start this. I'll just start it easy. So I go to sure. host a game because otherwise you're joining servers. I'm like, okay, single player is an option. So I click single player, undo it on like start the easy one. Sure. And on the side, there's all these options of sliders you can change for like. How much damage do you take? How much damage do enemies deal? How much do you deal? All these, you know, customize your game and experience the way you want, kind of. Yeah. Which is whatever. Sure. But I just want to jump right in and learn how to play. Okay. So I press single player and I go to, like, on the side, there's, where's your starting location? I'm sure. like, um, this one here that says easy. Mm -hmm. Let's go with that. <laughs> Sounds good. So do that. I skip past characterization because it's, atrocious it's it's very gross can you, there's no hairstyles i don't understand this well no because you're all gonna look like vin diesel so no, this is the first one this is the first one no that but, one but, you can't even pick your character i guess it's just vin diesel maybe okay. you're just vin maybe you're just vin diesel 
But uh, so you jump into the game, and I'm sure you've played, uh, so you know that you wake up on the island or wherever you are, mm-hmm. and you're naked basically with nothing. Yep. And there's no tutorial at all. Nope. And like, listen, I get your game is called Survival Evolved, but it is not called Survival. Good luck. <laughs> Fuck you. No control <laughs> options. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's, they really wanted to make it like the Halo of survival games. Like, yeah. instead of combat evolved, it's survival <laughs> evolved, right? And so, and so I get into the game, I'm like, okay, yeah. I've played Minecraft, whatever. I can kind of do whatever. So I go around, I'm like, alright, I can punch, I can get my inventory, I'm checking out the controls I can figure out. I'm like, okay, sure. And I'm looking at the sidebar. Yep. And it's got so many different things on the side. It's got, like, your experience gauge, your food, your water, your oxygen. It's got your health, stamina. And then, like, down at the bottom, it's like, I started out, it's like, you're cold. And like, okay, now it's got my temperature. So you've got, yep, experience, HP, stamina, food, water, yeah, and then temperature, not including if you have anything else going on down there. I'm like, all right, this is a lot. It's pretty self-explanatory, but it's a lot to survival stuff to keep track of. Yep, it is. And so I'm like, all right, cool. Let's go punch some trees, see what I can do, get some stuff. What can I do, you know? So I start punching trees. I'm like, okay, thatching wood, thatching wood. I'm walking around. I'm like, how do I get rocks? I'm like, okay, I can make a a pick maybe. And I'm looking around. I'm like, generally, if you're looking at an item you think you can interact with, it would have a prompt in a game, right? Right? You'd imagine. You'd imagine that. No, there's no change to your reticule. There's no change to anything. There's no prompt. Great. You can find a rock in the ground, and you just have to know you can pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you can pick these stones up. Okay. That's yeah. how you collect your stones and your flint to begin with. And then you can make tools to collect it from actual, like, bigger rocks. Um, but there's no prompt for it. There's nothing to tell you that you could do it. You just have to either figure it out or know that you need to do it. And then I'm looking around again, and I'm like, okay, food. And it's like, oh... I can pick up some of these leafy plants on the ground. I can I can harvest those. Again, no prompt. Doesn't tell me you can pick these up. Doesn't tell me what they are. No. So it's like, oh, cool, yeah, you got berries and all this other stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. I mean, of course, before I figured all this out, I've died three or four times to a fucking crocodile. Oh, a crocodile for you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like a T-Rex for me. I wandered into the woods for, like, five seconds and just got trampled. No, I stayed on the beach, and it was like, crocodile, it's like, what's attacking me? And I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, and then it just yeah. ate me. Yeah. And then I respawn really close to where I just died, yep. and it comes right after you again, of course. Oh, of course it does. And then if you manage to evade it, it's like, alright, well, I want all the stuff on my body, because you drop everything when you die. Mm-hmm. So I go back, and it's still hanging out by my body. Sure. Although, I will say, if you get there when your body is still there, you can punch the shit out of your body and get the raw meat from it. Oh, (laughs) that's an interesting tactic. I think I mentioned that I played Conan Exiles. There is literally a thing where you can end up collecting, like, your own arms from your corpse. Yeah. So... (laughs) Use as a weapon. So I'm going through, I'm learning stuff because I'm getting leveling or whatever, and it's like, okay, I can make some of this stuff now, and I'm like, how do I get more of this material? And it's like, oh, you need a lot of these material to make that. Like, yeah. okay, great. Mm-hmm. So I get a spear. I'm like, all right, cool. Maybe I can stab some stuff. One thing I will think is, I thought was cool is the crocodile was chasing me down. I ran past some triceratops and it tried to eat the triceratops. That didn't so work out. Three of, three of those triceratops just murdered that crocodile. So I was like, nice. Perfect, yeah. Uh, there's a lot. It's very much so a game that is like, do you know how to play? Because we're not going to teach you. Yeah. Learn. Get good. Learn, learn fast or keep dying. Maybe that's why they thought it would be a good idea to add in dark, like Souls-like elements. Because it's really the get good of <laughs> So here's the thing. It's like, I don't mind some survival crafting exploration games. You know, yeah. I've really enjoyed No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it teaches you 
fairly oh. straightforward how to play it. Oh, it, like, it, it does the smart thing that you expect survival games to do, where it says, let's start with one simple thing. You know, yeah. your oh, your your oxygen is not working. Well, we gotta fix that. Right. Let's find your ship. We let's need to repair let's, your let's, ship. Let's do these things. Here's a base of. Here's the basics of how to play. Yeah. And then kind of expand it as you go. No, no, no. This starts you with nothing and expects you to know everything. Oh yeah, yeah. It sure does. And and like go into the um, character screen when you mm -hmm. level up, and it's like. Here's a list of stats you can improve from health to food to water to oxygen to stamina to weight you can carry to fortitude, oh, yeah. which it doesn't tell me what that is. You yeah. know, a bunch of these stats and there's no tooltip on it. It's just good luck. Assume yeah. you know what it means. I have no idea what fortitude means. Yeah. yeah. And then there's like torpidity at the bottom. Like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah. Do you have like things for like exuberance level? <laughs> Yeah. Like so I'm like, I'm like, all right. I guess I'll put, I'll increase my carry weight so I don't get encumbered so quickly. Yeah. I'm like I don't really know. It doesn't tell me. And then the engrams. It's like, oh yeah, it doesn't give you an explanation for anything. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a survival guide right at the main. Like, you know, as soon as you start the game, you can choose it as an option instead of like going into a game. Sure. But it's really bare bones. Yeah. Fair it's like, yeah, here's some explanation. Read it. Just Read figure it, it out. yourself. Figure it out. Figure it I'm out, scrub. Shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I thought that it was an interesting choice to have, like, large predators right where you start. Yeah. Most games don't do that for that reason. No. No. They will wait until you've ventured out beyond the original area before they start giving you the largest creatures in the game to deal with. Yeah. And uh, like and yeah. MMORPGs the smart thing that what they usually do is up the first starting area, none of the monsters are tagged as hostile, for instance. Right. I'm sure you remember from your days of playing World of Warcraft. Like wow, yep. yep. Um is the starting zones? Mm -hmm. Up until like level eight, nothing is really gonna aggro onto you, no. Unless you attack. No, no, no. And there's also and like leveled areas, like certain yeah. levels for different areas. And I'm not saying that that a survival crafting game should have that necessarily, no. but it should definitely be like, yeah, if you have a starting area, right, you're not gonna be aggressively targeted by a pack of Dilophosaurus, for instance, right. We're not going to have you go in the water and then 16 piranhas come after you and eat you. It, can you imagine if, like, they started off Fallout New Vegas and they had moved, like, the, the Death Claw camp, like, right next to Good Springs? And so the second you get out to the road, just a bunch of the Death Claws come at you. Like, like there's, there's a reason why the Cazadors and the Death Claws are, like, up the road a piece. Mostly because they wanted to encourage you to go the other route. Because they don't really want you to take the direct route. They want you to go around. Um, but they don't put it, like, directly in front of you. They right. put I mean, it just follow, out of the way. But Fallout 4, they went, you know, you gotta go do this first mission over in Concord. So we're gonna give you a minigun and a deathclaw. Which is still yeah. a really odd choice. Like, you're not equipped to murder it. You don't have the skills to really kill that Deathclaw so without give wasting you, all of your ammo. Yeah, they give you the power armor and the, the minigun. And there's been a lot of videos. I saw one video, I can't remember by who, uh, where they were kind of like going, that was just a... I don't know if that was a very good design choice. There, there would have been, been a lot better ways where they could have, one, introduced the power armor and your miniguns and everything without having that moment because it, yeah. it kind of trivializes the whole thing <laughs> of like getting the power armor it would have been cooler if you like got your frame and then you were tracking down the parts and like customizing it and making it your own and it was further down the line than like the first yeah. two hours of the game giving and... you the power armor is just silly I, like i don't even play fallout 4 with power armor like ever oh i rarely use it I think I actually have mods in Fallout 4 to make the the cores last longer. I'm like, well, if I'm gonna play with power armor, I'm gonna play with it with a mod. 
because otherwise it's like oh it lasts 10 minutes and then your core is spent right it's like no no that it's dumb these are nuclear fusion reactors they should last a lot longer (laughs) yeah and then there's also of course the mod that they put in the creation club where you got the horse armor oh yeah yeah that giddy up buttercup armor is great right love it but yeah so i don't know arc 2 doesn't sound interesting to me i've played arc 1 for a whole 98 minutes i don't know if i'm gonna just uninstall it or not we'll see right but i was you know, hundreds of things. Yeah, I was yeah. like, "Wow, I'm glad I didn't pay for this game." Yeah, and uh, I didn't either. I think I had GameFly at the time, so I had just gotten it that way. Um, but I was thoroughly unimpressed uh, in just the the framework that they put in. Uh, dinosaurs in a, a survival game, cool. Yeah, dinosaurs are cool. I think that's the draw to it. Yeah, I know that. Crave over there. That's the draw to it. Yeah, dinosaurs survival game. This sounds like a win-win. Execution, real rough, real real rough. Um, and uh, I'm I guess I'm glad that I know that I shouldn't have spent too much time in it anyway because it sounds like it didn't really change all that much fundamentally from when I, <laughs> from what I played it many many years ago. Yeah. Um, no, our arc was always sort of like a sore spot for me because I was like I really want to play a game that has the cool dinosaurs but not yeah. this yeah it's like this in theory sounds great but in practice is not so great right I'm gonna I'm gonna do a one thing before we end the segment too because currently you're playing Ark how are you feeling arms in the air shrugging yeah fair enough are you dead how many times have you died like eight times. Eight times. That tracks. Yeah. Are you... Uh, like, I was... Before we started recording, I was trying not to help too much because I want her to, like, experience exactly what I went through. And she was like, how do you light the fire? I was like, I think you need to put wood in the fire and then you can light it. And then you yeah. have to then you have to rub two sticks together for about yeah. five hours. Yep, sticks together for five hours. Yep. Because. But yeah, so yeah. it's a resounding shrug. Yeah, it's it's the shrug of the year, is Ark. I mean, it, hey, if you want dinosaurs in a game, I was playing this other one called Horizon Zero Dawn, and you get yeah. you get to actually fight dinosaurs and that's fun so, so is horizon good though i liked horizon okay so you, maybe you might actually i'll tell you this you would probably like it it's more of like an open world if you kind of liked ubisoft games or you had any interest in them it's more that model the combat is pretty great a uh, lot of different options for your weaponry you get to set traps and stuff like that and big metal dinosaurs yeah, I mean, um, Crave also thinks that one's interesting, Horizon. Yeah. Um, and yeah. she really enjoys Far Cry Primal. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think if Ark was more Far Cry Primal... Yeah. ...but survival, I yeah. think it would be better. I mean, let's you know? face it, Far Cry Primal, you got to have a saber-toothed tiger friend that yeah. just went and mauled people to death. Yeah, Crave just sends her animal out to murder people, generally. And you get to ride a woolly mammoth. Yeah. She's she's really good at stealth game playing that by murdering everything with her animals. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You get to occasionally ride some metal dinosaurs in Horizon, too. So. Sure. It's fun. This is my soapbox. Uh, survival crafting, fine, if done well. But, mm. like, I don't want your survival to be, like, bad experience playing it like don't give me the bare minimum or Mm. even less than that and assume i'm going to enjoy it i'm playing your game for fun not for realism saying that you have that you're making a survival game is not an excuse to give no direction uh, for how to play your game and i certainly do not appreciate the um you know when you see people that do like a lot of the audio mixing the audio producing and they have that giant board of sliders yeah don't give me that for a contr- for for for, the, 
for my survival mechanics where I have to focus on the 50 freaking controls. Yeah. It's too much. It's too much. Mm -hmm. Or if you're going to introduce them, you got to introduce them slowly over the course of time. I can't figure them all out immediately. Give Um, me a two-hour tutorial. That's fine. Yeah. Because then I can't refund your game. I get it. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Since you have shared with me the nine different options to open up, uh, <laughs> to arc. open arc, uh, there there happens to be something related to that that we were looking at in the forums, uh, following some of the discussion of previous episodes that we had, um, and um, so I thought we would do a little bit of a delving deeper on the idea of choice paralysis. And more importantly, how to try and avoid this in Less choices. Games. You get just get less choices. Less choices. Done. Um, Segment, great. Perfect. That was a great delving deeper. It was the quickest one we've ever done. Uh, but no, let's let's dig into that a little bit more than, than that. Uh, because I'm kind of trying to figure out, when you see those, like, nine choices for Ark, for instance... Um, I wouldn't necessarily be, uh, you know, worry if there were just a few choices. But what is the point where you see a list? How many items has to be on that list before you kind of go, well, that's just too many for me to deal with? (laughs) Um, Before I have to really stop and think. Depending on what it is. Yeah. Like four or five. Four or five. Yeah. Yeah. Um this uh you know launching a game that's sort of the meta part about this but like actually in game uh i'm i'm kind of trying to work out you know how much choice i want to give people at any one time uh because right now since i am actually playing a spellcaster in D, for instance um there's there are spell lists Lots and of them. there's lots of spell lists, and bards periodically ha- can look through the whole freaking thing <laughs> to determine what they want to do. And that has made me very aware of, like, the sheer level number of spells. And I, I do start to realize why the classes themselves usually have a more structured number that they can do. Why they don't have all the spells available to them. Well, yeah, I mean, in-game reason, in-lore reason, is different casters cast with different abilities. Like, a druid cast from nature, and a paladin or a cleric cast from divine magic, so that reflects their, you know, what they can cast. And a sorcerer and wizard are arcane, but slightly different arcane. Wizards like their books. Take away a wizard's book and he's useless. That's true. That's like a teacher. The sorcerer, though, it, like, flows through them. And yes. they can melt, they can manipulate. They use the force. They use the force, exactly. And then, of course, you have the warlocks who made a deal with a patron. Deal with the demon devil, powers. if you will. Yeah, to get demon powers. So there's that. Not always demons. Okay. And then, then bards sing songs. Yes. Sing songs, tell tales, basically. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they don't give you access to every single spell in the game. Uh, And I also started to realize, and I thought that this was really important, is for a lot of those lists, uh, for every single level that you go to, because they will dole them out over the course of the game as you get higher spell lists, and will not just give you a bunch of spells up at the start, uh, there are different kinds of spells that will do different kinds of things. Uh, One of the tricky ones that I was seeing is when you get to, like, third level, there are... Uh, on the wizard spell list, at least, a lot of high damage spells that will do slightly different things. Like if I were looking at two very famous ones, Fireball and Lightning Bolt. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they, they both basically are like 8d6 area sure. effects. Kind of. Sort of, yeah. Uh, different damage types, though. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that Fireball is like an area of effect, like, circle. Yeah. And Fireball is an explosion at an area. Right. And your your lightning bolt is like you shot a death ray out from you. Yeah, lightning bolt's line. really cool. It's like, hey, there's just a ton of enemies coming at me, and you're just like, cool. Just 
zap. And it's just, I think, like a five foot wide. It's like, five by a hundred. Yeah. So it's just this hundred foot long, five foot wide beam of lightning death. And I'm, I'm like, you know what? In an urban environment, if you're actually in streets, yeah, that's what you want. <laughs> you, yeah, you want that for, for street combat. Um, and then it just sets everything on fire around it too. <laughs> yeah, it can definitely do that it's too. It's lightning. Yeah. Um, but like there, if I'm only really able to choose one of those spells, now I got to really think because they're both yeah. real high damage spells, but they're mm. also going to function slightly differently. Um, when I when I have my bard spells, though, I did notice that a lot of them uh, function in very, very specific ways. Some of them are going to charm people. Some of them are going to be control spells. Some of them are going to be damage spells, etc., etc. And they're going to have very specific usages depending on what you want to do. So I think it eliminates some of the choice in that. But I still have found it really tricky to figure out what I want. Well, yeah. See, you're a bard, for instance. A wizard would generally have a school that they pick as the school of magic they studied. Yeah. Uh, for an in- uh, for example. So, like, maybe if you were an illusion-focused wizard, you would say, All right, well, I'm illusion-focused, so my illusion spells are better than, say, other things. They get, they're harder to resist, and they get, no, like, I think you get an extra slot or something for those school spells, maybe? Yeah. Don't quote me, it's been a while since I looked through a wizard at all. Yeah. Um, but you'd go, alright, well I could do an evocation school, which is damage dealing, or I could do a, an illusion spell and it would just be a lot better in what I'm good at. Right. Um, so choices like that are a little easier if you've already made the choice that you're an illusion wizard, for instance. Sure, sure, sure. I just want to be a necromancer and just do I mean, all the raise the dead spells. Sure, then you would easily pick Raise Dead. Yeah, just Raise Dead, and I don't have to think about it at all. It's perfect. Um, I did also notice, though, that there are a lot of casters that will have a certain number of spells that automatically get prepared at certain yes. levels. Uh, mm-hmm. So they just kind of take take that, like clerics are one of those, where depending on what your subclass is, you, uh, you, you get a couple spells, and it's just you get those. Uh, I would imagine that if the mechanic was that you can pick those spells or that you can add certain spells, you might be seeing a, a possible choice paralysis there. Cause well, you're... clerics and druids are interesting because they don't really pick a spell they want to learn. Okay. They just pick what spells they're preparing every day. Okay. They get access to their entire spell list. Oh, that's handy. Because spontaneous caster. Spontaneous caster. Oh, okay. So I can go, okay, well, today I'm going to take these spells, and tomorrow I'm going to take those spells. Oh, that's You neat. can swap them out, like, whenever you want. Ah. Uh, either of those class. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, bards can't. I have to... No. No. You learn spells. I learn spells, and then every... The, the rules, as written at least, is that when you level up, you can uh, change out one of your spells for a different one. I take advantage of it, but still. The benefit is, of course, that... Uh, periodically you get to just pull from any spell list you want. Wizards, on the other hand, though, you gotta put everything down in your spell book, baby. Yeah, and that costs money. Yep, and time. And Takes time. a lot of time. Used to cost experience, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. They don't really use experience for anything except for the leveling up part now, I know. There are games that you do use it in. Um, oh, sure. That part of your leveling, like, FFG. For instance, some of their games, um, sp- you what you do is you spend experience as you level. Oh, sure. So what you would do is say, all right, you hit a point where you can spend experience. Now you have all these experience points. You can buy different things with them. So oh, sure. Experience uses currency. And those systems can be fun. Um, but yeah. then, but then you usually have a lot more choice too because you're not generally a class specifically. Sure. Um, that being said, actually, 1879, which I know is a system you're not familiar with, but when I was playing um, the Expendables, uh, 1879 is a system based off of Earthdawn, and uh, the way they do that is they give you adventure points for doing things in the game, and then the adventure points are actually what you use to raise up stats or uh, add to your durability which gives you more hit points or um, learn new skills and stuff like that but um, you don't technically have a level you would spend adventure points 
to raise up your mastery of things. I almost think it would be really cool to have a hybrid of class and like spending adve- like exp or adventure points or whatever. Mm. So like maybe you have like a general archetype. Mm-hmm. So I'm a melee fighter or maybe you don't even do that. It's just like yeah, here are your you know your six stats mm-hmm. and here are different sets of skills you can go and buy. Yeah. So you could be like cool. I'm gonna go strength and and intellect and i'm gonna wield a two-handed sword and i'm also gonna learn magic Mm -hmm. um i think systems like that can be really cool but again then you get the choice paralysis of so many options well yeah because like imagine if you had a system actually the the 1879 system does this where uh you can take your base stats and you can actually raise them up, but the only way that you actually raise them up throughout the game is if you specifically spend adventure points on them, and you have a certain cost for upgrading them the once, and then another time to upgrade them twice, and you can you yeah. can upgrade them a couple times. Uh, similar to your individual skills, uh, where as, as you raise them up and you get higher totals, it will use more adventure points to do that, but that's how you get better at things. Yeah. Um, it would be it would be interesting. I mean, it would be kind of neat if you had a system where you had like three basic archetypes, and then the abilities and stuff that you saw from like maybe D and D, where you have like the fighters, you know, battle masteries, and the barbarians' rage abilities and stuff were options that you could pick, and you could spend money on making them better, or you know, building and customize how what things you want to synergize with, but you know. Um, that I would imagine, if not accurately like described uh, up at the front, or if that was all given to you right at the front, uh, that would be that would be a lot for. I don't think you'd actually have people ever get to make their character. They'd be sitting there in the screen like, "Oh God, what do I do now?" Yeah. Um, big thing I, I put too in the idea of choice paralysis is. I don't want any big decisions when I make my character. Right. Right up at the front. Um, Level one, just started out the game. Please don't give me much to think about right away. Introduce it to me after I've gotten my feet wet and I've figured out the basic part of the game. Um, they, They have done this very well. Uh, since we were talking about Bethesda, they usually do this by um, going through like, well, what does your character look like? And then there's a little bit of time and then it's like, oh, well, like, what's your sign? What are your basic stats? And then we'll go in a little bit more. And, And then, of course, systems where you actually just start with a set score, like a basic score in everything and then you just upgrade over the course of time. So I'm starting out, everything is just one, and then, then, then I move forward from there. That's, that's good. It keeps me from getting too much into the, into the choice paralysis. When do you know that there's a problem? Generally, when people start going, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> like, I have 16 choices, and all of them are equally as good. So, like... I, I would imagine if you're playtesting a game, you playtesting your game, uh, one of the first things would be, like, how long is it taking people to actually get into the game? Like, yeah. like where are the stop gaps where people mm. are not playing the game anymore and are trying to make decisions? And what is the average amount of time that people are taking making those decisions? I think one of the biggest things would be not giving people a bunch of choices without having them first experience each of those things right right that would also be good so it's like oh man i don't know what to choose because i've never done 10 out of the 16 things here mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so it's like do i want to go into archery i don't know i've never used a bow yet yeah exactly um also helpful as i'm thinking about it since we've been talking about diablo skill trees uh, because I, now I don't actually have to pick from like 50 different abilities or something like that. Uh, I take one of these three trees. Now I have a, like a basic thing that I can gain from each one of those Still if I do trees well. Trees are in interesting because you don't really see them very often in tabletop. No, 
At least not in the way that we're used to them. No, 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 you don't see it like where, oh, you could learn this spell, but you have to have learned these three other spells first before you take that. I think it could be interesting if you did something like that, but I don't know if it'll work as well for tabletop. Uh, no, I, I think that in some ways, similar to, like, wizards, uh, it would be about the schools that you're in. Like, maybe some of the more powerful spells are, you know, related to having knowledge of certain other things and, and customizing that you, you know those those particular lines. There are a couple spells, not many, but there I think there are a couple spells that you have to be a specific wizard to learn. Yeah, um, definitely. But not not a ton. I guess the other thing, too, would be when people jump off of your game, especially if you're, uh, you know, an actual video game designer, and you can see around what time people usually stop playing, uh, figure out what that normally is uh, in terms of, of, like, a choice that people have to make. Because if it's during that time, chances are you've gotten to a point where it is the uh, the Bearden's Ass scenario, if you're familiar with that. Bearden's Ass was actually a scenario, a philosophical conundrum, about the idea of choice paralysis, which is that if you put a donkey, i.e. the ass, yes. uh, equidistant to two, you know, bales of hay, ah. uh, the, the donkey would die of starvation. <laughs> because the donkey would never be able to make a choice. Now, I think in practice, the donkey would just pick one and go. But <laughs> Yeah, I think in practice, even though they're stubborn, I think the ass would pick one and just go for it. Exactly, exactly. He might be an ass, but he's not a dumbass. I think the essentialism, it would eventually be the choice between starving and just taking a bale of hay that's in front of you. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, the paralysis kind of goes away. Um, in-game, though, if you have an unlimited amount of time, do you think that there might also be a place for putting a timer on how long it will take you to choose like to see how long it takes or Or, so you have limited time no like the like the jeopardy do 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 clock comes on and before it ends you have to pick something i think that'd be interesting i think people would complain about it oh yeah but i think in the end like it would maybe benefit people making faster choices kind of like um you played a little bit of Curse of the Dead Gods, right? Yep. So kind of like the choices you have to make there, except those aren't, you know, timed. That's true. That's it's like true. almost like a quick time event where it's like, are you going left? You're going right. Going left? You're going right. Pick one and live with your live with your choice. I think in a roguelite type game, it yeah. might work. Mm-hmm. If you had an RPG or tabletop game that took roguelite elements like that, it could work. Yeah. Um, although the timer is hard to pull off on tables, so that's true. Um, it is kind of tricky in tabletop too because if you get into combat, you sometimes face the idea of com- uh, combat paralysis in a lot of ways, where uh, you ask your player what do you want to do, and then they have to think about like what options do they have available to them, and I think that they do a pretty good job of giving you a set number of things that you're most likely to do in the scenario, and then sure. maybe you can work out if there's something special that you'd like to try. Uh, trying to lead people through that can be a little bit tricky if you're new to running a game. Um, but uh, I think that's the reason why they're like, yeah, you can take an action. Here's a list of the things that you can do as an action. And and here's like right here on the side. These are like your action skills. This is like a spell that you can cast. This is the sword that you use. This is the bow that you have uh, to try and limit that in combat. And you've picked all of that too. So you're a little bit familiar with it before you even get into the combat. Uh, But if you do find that somebody is taking too long, they're either not familiar with their character and don't know what to do, or somebody made it for them. Or, or of course, is that they've they've been given so many options and you got to be able to lead them through it. It's something where you see, like, professional GMs, uh, and they know that, especially if you're doing this on stream, and you, you you have to keep things moving... When you have one player, uh, I was watching one of like the uh, Hellfire Club, the Stranger Things special that they did for the Netflix one. Sometimes the actors that that were in it were kind of like, hmm, what do I want to do? And B. Dave Walters was kind of like going, okay, not telling you what to do, but I do want you to be aware of something that's on your sheet 
of a, a, a thing that you can do you might not have known you could do. Also, like the, the whole thing of like, I imagine you'd like to try and hit this, right? Yeah, you want to hit it for like as much as you possibly could. Yes, I want to do that. And it's like, okay, here's what you could do. And like your paladin, let's smite a lot. Let's do a lot of smiting. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, now we can now we can run through that. Um, so yeah, I it it's tricky because at a certain point, flow of game is going to get cut off if people get into the paralysis and not knowing what to do. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to see it, and so trying to even if you have a lot of options, being able to dole them out over the course of time uh, in smaller bite-sized chunks is incredibly helpful. So if you also have an idea about how you might like to make choice paralysis a little less paralyzing, if there's a special spell that you'd like to use to stop the paralysis of choice, there should be a spell that's just called choice paralysis. And it's the like... The whole person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that's how you could flavor that as psychic damage, like a psychic paralysis thing where you just give people a whole bunch of choices and they can't decide. And now they're paralyzed, trying. <laughs> yes, feels like an acquisitions unlimited thing or something. Incorporated. Um, anyway, if you have an idea about uh, how to limit choice paralysis or how you like to do it, please let us know over on our Discord channel, or you can also let us know in the comments down below this video. Alex. If you would like to eliminate people's choice paralysis to find more Total Pebble Knockdown content, where could they go? To get rid of your choice paralysis for that, please go to TotalPebbleKnockdown.com. Exactly, and when you're there, I won't have to give you any kind of paralysis of choice, because we only have the one Patreon, and you can click on the Patreon banner, and you can uh, check out all of the content that we have over there. We release episodes uh, in video form before they go out in video pieces uh, ahead of time, as well as all of the other content that we have. It gets released over there first, as well as some exclusive content that only our Patreon folks get. So check that out. You can also find the podcast on every podcast app known to mankind. If you are listening to us on Anchor, you can also leave uh, audio clips. If you would uh, like to ask us a question, we might even use it on air. And you can find us on social media. I am at Citanium. I am at EXP Limited, and the show is over at Pebble Knockdown. That's right. So join join us there for all of your pebbly needs. And uh, until the next episode, thank you for joining us, and we will see you uh, next time at the crossroads of gaming where all the pebbles fall down. That's what causes the paralysis. That's what causes the paralysis and the crushing. Crushed and paralyzed by Bevel. You decide which is worse, but that might be choice paralysis in itself. Anyway, uh, hope that you've gotten over that paralysis. We will see you on the next time, and that's a guarantee you don't have to think about it. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. On that side note, too, I did I did have GOG refund my uh, Diablo. Oh, good. Because <laughs> you get like thirty days, so I, I heard like that. Yeah. Um, but spend yeah, spend it all on a mortal. Yeah, just spend it all on a mortal. <laughs> no, actually, I think I got Sunless Skies with the money that I was. There you go. Some of it. Yeah.